Welcome to By the Fiberside, a knitting and spinning podcast from the southern edge of northern Alberta, Canada. Episode 9, Connections to the Past. A few years ago, after the fiber obsession well and truly set in, I was re-editing the English translation of the history of the family business on my mom's side. My great-grandfather started making mitering machines for cutting the corners of picture frames in 1911, so for the 100th anniversary of the company, a history book was in order. I'd edited it a few years before, but there had been some new information added, and that was what I was looking over. But as I was reading, I came across this. Anas Nielsen Kustensen was born on the 27th of June, 1882, on a small farm in Osterbölle, owned by his parents, Søren and Mette Christine Kustensen. Søren, as well as being a farmer, was a spinning wheel maker, a family trade passed down from father to son for generations. I think the people next door must have heard me squeal in delight. My great-great-grandfather, a spinning wheel maker, and generations before that. That's awesome on so many levels. Immediately, I thought that it would be amazing to get a hold of a wheel made by one of my ancestors, though I know the chances of that are slim, considering the bulk of the North American continent and all of the Atlantic Ocean between me and being able to do any real searching. And that's assuming there were maker's marks on them. But still, a wheelwright in the family It makes me proud to be carrying on the tradition, so to speak. Is that part of why fiber arts call to us, those of us that succumb to the siren song? Is it a connection to the people of our past, a carrying on of traditions, an attempt not to forget the skills that got us to where we are today? I still remember finding out that my grandmother was a trained weaver. I only found out after she passed away, and I wish I could have spoken to her about it. But we have some of the cloth she wove here in Alberta now, and I have some of the doilies that my dad's mother crocheted as well. I treasure these tangible reminders of the fiber history of our family. I've just finished reading a book that may or may not be useful to my homework, but was fascinating just the same. It was called Women's Work, The First 20,000 Years, by Elizabeth Wayland Barber. The book is a compilation of bits and scraps of evidence of how spinning thread, and cloth-making were part of prehistoric society, and what women were doing and why. At the end of the book, Barber says that we don't know whether women in prehistory were happy with their lot, but we do know what they were doing and how their work formed a huge bedrock on which prehistoric societies functioned. So now, when I pick up my spindle, I think about those women depicted on Greek vases and on Egyptian tomb walls. They did this, Not with mechanically processed roving, or with a spindle turned on an electric lathe, but this was what they did. They spun, to make cloth, to make clothes. The poor ones made plain cloth, production cloth, and the rich ones made fancy cloth. I was thinking this morning about that, and wonder what a prehistoric woman would think if she got dropped into the middle of the Fiber Week fashion show, or a gathering at any of the big yarn festivals. She would probably think that we're all rich. We have time to make fancy clothing with richly colored yarn. We have time to focus on art 
rather than practicality. Another piece of the book that spoke to me was Barbara's insistence that using the tools, attempting to recreate the cloth, is one of the best ways to get a feel for how the work was accomplished. For example, she had just finished a complex warp for a recreated piece of prehistoric plaid, and was throwing four shots of each color of weft, when she realized that she had to have reversed the warp and the weft. A prehistoric woman would have warped four of each color, and then eyeballed the size of the stripes after that. But if she'd never tried to weave it, she might not have made the connection. She also relates the story of another archaeologist, who, in wondering whether unbaked clay loom weights wouldn't get damaged too easily, recreated the loom weights and the loom, and quickly wove a piece of cloth without significant damage to the weights. Without trying it out, she never would have known how effective the weights were, nor how quickly the cloth came together. We are so removed today from the process of cloth making, and even yarn making. We as a society forget so easily the skills that have brought us to where we are today. Is that why I spin, or at least a part of it? For me, spinning and knitting are pleasure, no longer a simple matter of survival. But I am also not forgetting the skills of the past. With a wheelwright as an ancestor, two grandmothers who wove, knit, and crocheted, and all the women in history who spun the yarn they used to close their families behind me, was I always doomed to have this fiber obsession? Was I doomed when, as a baby, my first stuffed animal was a lamb? Was it always sitting back there in my head, waiting for the day when I was ready to take up the mantle of millennia? Is it my job, our job, not to forget the skills of the past as we move forward into the future? Either way, I know that when I sit down to a wheel, pick up a spindle, work on the tapestry, or cast on for a new project, I have the weight of human history behind me. Thanks for listening. This is By the Fiberside. Fiber Week. So the good news on the Fiber Week front is that my legs, uh, in terms of how they're feeling, is they're stable right now. That could change next week. I don't know. Um, I'll take stable over getting worse, though, because there was, uh, I think it was the, the week after the last episode was not pleasant. It was really not good. So I'll take stable. They're not well enough yet to spin, but that's okay. Olds College has granted my request for an extension, which makes me happy. It takes a lot of the pressure off. Uh, they've also uh, said that I can spin some of the, my stuff on spindles. So I'm going to try not to do that. I still want to use the wheel. But uh, but if I have to, I'll, I'll do it on spindles. It turns out that Gail is going to be at Fiber Week for a few days. So, I mean, ideally, ideally, I'll have my homework done and be able to give it to her at Fiber Week. But I am not going to push it. I need to get better. So, So I've been working on the written stuff over the last couple of weeks. I've finished off collecting uh, the stories and songs and such for Module D2. <laughs> I, I eventually had to say, okay, you have to stop looking. You just have to pick five because I found at least uh, well over 12 really interesting pieces, uh, songs and different stories. And, uh, and finally, I just had to, I had threw up my hands and said, you know what? You're going to spend 
way too much time looking for all this stuff. Pick five and move on. So I did. I never ended up getting the translation for the Turkish folk song that I wanted. It's an erotic Turkish folk song called uh, In the Road She Set Up Her Spinning Wheel. I have to find a copy of Bella Bartok's, uh, a translation of Bella Bartok's book on Turkish folk songs to be able to find that translation. But I did find um, a very risque North American folk song that made me laugh. And has made everybody I've read it to at knitting groups laugh. So I'll probably I'll throw up a link to that one in the show notes for you. I won't I won't read it to you because I think this one's already going to be long. It's really amusing. And you know what? I've I found so many interesting um, songs and stories. So what I think I'm going to do is I'm going to collect uh, some links on a new page on the on the blog on the website. Uh, with links that, you know, if you're doing your homework, you can access them and, and you can, hopefully that will help you with your homework if you need it, or if you're just interested. So I'll collect a bunch of those for you on there. Last night I sat down to do my photo essay on spindles and exactly the same thing happened. I found a really great site out of the University of Innsbruck in Austria. Great photographs, way more information than I needed. And again, I had to say, you know what? Pick 10. Because if you keep looking, it's going to go a little crazy. So so my photo essay on spindles is done. My collection of the stories and songs and stuff is done. I still need to do um, the factual essays for Module D2. And uh, I'll be working on those in this upcoming week. I've also finished reading women's work. I've talked about that in the essay really interesting book. I think I'm going to have to find, try and find myself a copy. And I think I'd like to find myself a copy of her academic work, which was called Prehistoric Textiles. Really, really interesting. And this is where, you know, like even with the spindles and stuff and the stories, I just have to find them. I don't have to do any sort of analysis on them whatsoever. And, and that's just, it's almost grating on me. (laughs) I really want to I really want to get into them, you know, and find out more stuff about it. But I guess that's what the level six final project is for. So yeah, I'm actually starting to think maybe my final project should, should have something to do with, you know, with the history or, or with, with spinning and, and uh, fiber arts and popular culture. I'm going to have to think about it. I'm going to take a look at the level six projects that are, that have already been, that are on the list. People have already done and then see you go from there. So yes, women's work. If you have a chance to get it from a library, uh, I highly recommend it. Really, really interesting about the history of spinning and weaving and and fiber in in prehistoric times. You know, I'm actually down to five, only five modules left to talk about in level one. So we can get through to episode, what would that be, 13? Before I run out of things to talk about for level one. But we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. What I'm going to talk about today is the glossary. For level one, you have to collect uh, 20 terms that aren't already defined in your level one textbook. And, and you know, make define them on your own, like in your own words. And, and I kind of want to talk about this because part of, um, part of the evidence that was collected in women's work for how fiber arts spread across prehistoric Europe 
and things like that was linguistic, which I thought was absolutely fascinating based on a linguistic analysis of, you know, so the sort of the root words and which ones were borrowed and things like that. She could actually track where certain things came from and, and basically who invented it first. So it was really, really interesting. And it got me thinking about the words that we use in spinning and in fiber arts. And it makes me wonder where they came from. So, so yeah, so the last couple of weeks, I've gotten really fascinated in a whole bunch of different things that don't necessarily have to do with sitting at a wheel and working with wool. Go figure. Uh, it, it's the academic bit of my brain that, that wants to get really deep into these things. So we'll see. So when in terms of the glossary, the ones I chose were... Looking back, well, I mean, I was still a really new spinner back then, and I didn't know a lot of the terminology. So, I mean, that was, this was probably a really good exercise for me. Looking back, I probably would have picked slightly more complicated terms. I mean, obviously, because this is the way my brain is working right now. I don't want to pick Sleeping Beauty and Rumpelstiltskin. I want to find something new and different and something that, you know, no one's going to find before. Anyway. So yeah, what I did with this uh, with this glossary is, is I I picked a bunch of terms and then and then I sort of if I was using a term in the definition, like for example my my definition for scouring, to wash fleece in hot water and soap so as to remove remove dirt, suint, and lanolin. Well, I had a definition for lanolin, so I changed the formatting on that one because I define lanolin over here. So, I mean, that's the sort of thing. I think it's important to not just to copy the the definition from somewhere else, to to reword it, because I think then it it certainly tells your teacher that you understand the concept. And if you don't understand the concept, then then they can help you. But it is important to have, to have a common language when it comes to to spinning and knitting because it's like coming into a chart in knitting where someone's used, you know, different or they've used a symbol that you associate with something else, some other type of stitch. And, and suddenly you're slowed right down because you have to, you don't have a common language with that designer. And I really wish we could standardize chart symbols. And they're fairly well standardized. But at the same, in the same way, you have to know, if you're looking at a crochet pattern, you have to know whether it's a British crochet pattern or an American crochet pattern. Because if it says single crochet, that means an entirely different thing in the UK than it does in North America. And, and you'll get an entirely different result if you try and use, you know, the opposite stitch. So the terminology is important, I think. And, and I think as a community, I think we need to work hard to make sure that we all kind of know what we're talking about. And, and then, of course, you have a word like worsted, which in spinning means one thing, and then with yarn means a weight. So it, it, it has two definitions, which is tricky. But it's helpful to know that it has two definitions so that you can tell from the context what it's supposed to mean. So those are some of the things I've been thinking about. <laughs> Work's been a little crazy, so so it's possibly just a symptom of my overtired brain that I'm thinking about these things, but 
what have you. As I said, I've got an extension. I'm going to work on more of the writing over the next couple of weeks. I also downloaded the supply list for level three, and I have to bring 25 10 yard skeins for the dye pot that of hand spun in a protein fiber. And I went, well, I can't spin right now, and I don't have 250 yards of any white hand spun. And I thought, wait a minute, I can spindle. I'm working on Polworth commercial top, commercial roving, and I'm just leaving it on the dining room table and I'm spinning when I have a chance. And it, that's going fairly well. I'm, I'm pretty pleased with how much progress I've actually been able to make with that small amount of time I've been able to put in. So that's been fun. I should have my 250 yards, hopefully, hopefully, by next episode, and be able to get that wound off. So that's the Fiber Week update. Fiber Notes. So last weekend, as part of my tidying up around the house, I grabbed all of my works in progress and I laid them all out on the dining room table and was a little shocked as to how many I actually have. So I decided that it was time for a little bit of project monogamy, which if you've read the blog, you know that that didn't turn out so well. I I worked on five different things by Wednesday, so I wasn't exactly monogamous. I guess I just wasn't cut out for project monogamy last week. But but in the end, it actually worked out okay. I finished the spring cowl, so I'm going to block that out here this weekend. I had enough yarn, which I was I was getting a little worried, but but it worked out, and it's a really great pattern for for a variegated yarn. So the linen stitch really breaks up any any potential pooling that you might get. So I'm quite happy with it. I'll block that out this weekend, and that will be good. The unfortunate thing is that if it does snow again, knock on wood, I won't have anything green to mitigate that. But I will work on the um, on the spat socks, which are fairly tropical, so hopefully that'll get me through. We're having two days of summer here. Well, three, if you count yesterday. And then we're back down to cool spring weather for at least the next couple of weeks. But it doesn't look like there's any snow in the forecast, so that makes me happy. After I finished off the cowl, I I got started again on the baby burp cloths. So I'm I'm over halfway through the first one of the second color. And once I get this one finished, I think I'm going to put them on hold and get a few other things out of the queue. Uh, because uh, we have one baby that's here now, and two that aren't due until the fall. So I have a little bit more time on those other two. So once I've got this one done, then I'm most likely going to cast on something. I know, I really shouldn't. But I'm going to cast on for the February baby sweater, I've decided. It's an Elizabeth Zimmerman pattern. Um, from what I've been reading, it's it's pithy as any Elizabeth Zimmerman pattern is. So I'm quite looking forward to it. Then after that, the spat socks will become my take-to-work project for my breaks, and I'll be working on the sweater sleeves again. I have a friend who's got a a deck, which will be really nice for outside knitting as we get further into late spring and summer, and she said to me, 
you're only allowed to work on the sweater when you come to my deck. I went, okay, I can, I can do that because I do want to get it finished. So that'll be good. The other works in progress. I'm just looking at the photo here. I have my level one sample wall hanging. Uh, I mean, there's no, there's no pressure on that one. And, uh, and then the ethereal shawl, which I talked about in episode one and haven't worked on since. So that's, it's a little further down in the queue, but I'll get back to that one as well. And then I've got the, the sweater sleeve extension for my mom, which to be quite honest, scares me. That's the whole, you know, cutting something off and picking up the stitches. So I'll just have to fortify myself and do it eventually because it it won't take too long and if I can get a few of these things off my plate then the works in progress are back down to a reasonable level so that's good and that is what I'm working on right now Fiberside Notion Box I know in the Fiber Week segment, I said I wasn't going to read you the the poems, but I've decided to read them to you anyway. I'm going to read you two, actually. One is the, the slightly risque one that I mentioned in the Fiber Week segment, and the other is one that I found that really appeals to me as someone who loves to untangle yarn. So I hope you enjoy them. The first is called Spinning Wheel. As I sat at my spinning wheel... A handsome lad was passing by. I viewed him round and liked him well. For truth, he had a glancing eye. My heart now panting gan to feel, but still I turned my spinning wheel. With looks all kindness he drew near, and still more lovely did appear. And round about my slender waist, he clasped his arms and me embraced. To kiss my hand he down did kneel, as I sat at my spinning wheel. My milk-white hands he did extol, and praised my fingers long and small, and said there was no lady fair that ever could with me compare. Those words into my heart did steal, but still I turned my spinning wheel. Although I seemingly did chide, yet he would never be denied, but still declared his love the more, until my heart was wounded sore, that my love could scarce conceal, yet still I turned my spinning wheel. My hanks of yarn, my rock and reel, my winnels and my spinning wheel. He bid me leave them all with speed and go with him to yonder mead. My yielding heart strange flames did feel, yet still I turned my spinning wheel. About my neck his arm he laid and whispered, Rise, my bonny maid, and with me to that haycock go. I'll teach you better work to do. In truth, I love the motion well, and let alone my spinning wheel. Among the pleasant cocks of hay, there with my bonny lad I lay. What last so young and soft as I, could such a handsome lad deny? These pleasures I cannot reveal, that far surpass my spinning wheel. The second poem is called The Wheel of Fate by George W. Letterer. The wheel of fate whirls round and round, and makes a mock of eager eyes. And when a golden thread's unwound, with what delight we hail the prize. But when the tangled knots come fast, or if at first, or if at last, 
how quickly we are overcast, as clouds make dark the summer skies. No matter, let the vital skein twist and twist and twist again. The deed is done, the word is said, tis death alone that cuts the thread. O oh, fast and free, O oh, fast and free, a while runs out the skein to me, and in the thread no knots I see, and never comes a pain to me. But lo, ere I can turn my head, there looms a tangle in the thread. My golden days are spent and sped, and life is mist and rain to me. No matter, let the vital skein twist and twist and twist again. The deed is done, the word is said, tis death alone that cuts the thread. O oh, sad and slow, O oh, sad and slow, the tangle thickens wearily, and as I watch the spindle go, my heart keeps time how drearily. Nay, see, tis free, the silken skein is running fast and fair again. The knots are loosed, forgot the pain, the golden thread runs cheerily. No matter, let the vital skein twist and twist and twist again. The deed is done, the word is said, tis death alone that cuts the thread. Ah, yes, ah, yes, a twistless skein runs from off the wheel again. No more I would that I were dead. There are no tangles, tangles in the thread. So those are the two poems, and I hope you enjoyed them. By the Wayside So the tapestry and I went on a field trip on Saturday. I took it to the Enjoy Center Knitting, and it's still not a portable project, but um, I figured, you know, it's portable enough. Let's take it out, give it some air, and uh, and work on it a little bit. And it was interesting. There, there weren't many of us at the Enjoy Center on Saturday, but there were quite a few people who came over to us and, and you know, were asking us what we were doing and saying, oh, I always have a knitting project with me. But a lot of them came over and and wanted to find out what it was I was doing. You know, had me hold it up and, and went, oh, that's huge and amazing. And you're going to get it finished before you leave here. Right. I said, ha ha, very funny. (laughs) But, uh, but it was interesting. So in that way, I guess it's good to kind of take it out for a field trip every once in a while and let people see it. A lot of people, I mean, they may see people knitting and such, but they don't often see people doing other things. I, I know that happens at the library all the time when someone brings a spinning wheel. We always have people stop and go, wow, what's that? So it was good. At the at the Enjoy Center, I managed to get through all the little bits of outlining that were left at the top of the gazebo. And then when I came home, I threw it back in the frame and did all the filling in. So the top of the gazebo is completely finished. It's great. And as I was working on it, I was thinking to myself, you know, I think this is one of the more complicated parts of the whole thing, of the whole piece of the tapestry that I'm doing. And you had to start with it, didn't you? You had to start with the most complicated part. And I rolled my eyes at myself. But the top of the gazebo is done. The bottom part of the gazebo looks super easy. So I should be able to fly through that like nothing. And then it's on to other little bits. The the part at the bottom uh, in the border is an interesting little goose or duck or some manner of bird. And it has some of the navy blue in it. And I think I want to try that. And then I might, I don't know, maybe do the outline for the part that says Wilhelm. I don't know. I'll just see where 
you know, where my interest takes me at this point. So yeah, I'm pretty happy with my progress. I'll put up a photograph, finally. Hey, and maybe by next episode, the whole gazebo will be done. Wouldn't that be something? Thank you for joining me for episode 9. By the Fiber Side is a bi-weekly podcast, and I look forward to bringing you episode 10 on May 19th, 2013. Show notes for this episode can be found at www.bythefiberside.com. Join the discussion in our group on Ravelry. If you need to get in touch with me directly, you can email me at ness, as in Loch Ness, at bythefiberside.com. Thanks again for listening. This is By the Fiberside.